howdy, hey, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Texans Take. Here we have wine with us today. We have brig with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, wine for everybody. Bring your mothers, bring your fathers, bring your daughters, bring your dogs, bring your cat, bring your Aunt Susan. Doesn't matter who you bring, but we're going to have a whiny time, so sit down and get ready for the show. All right. Well, uh, <clears throat> with that being said, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> what else can we do than just directly go into wine? I wine, mean... wine, wine. So I went to, it's called Hoppy & Co. It's actually technically called Hoppy & Co. But nobody calls it that because it sounds funny. Uh, is their we last to, name actually Hoppy? It's actually Hoppy. No. Because if it was Hoppy, it'd be H-O-P-P-Y-R-I-E. But it's actually just one P. And so it's Hoppy. But nobody calls it Hoppy & Co. It's Hoppy & Co. Because it sounds better, right? But anyway, so um, I picked out some wine for us today. We got a... A wine. Trevenezzi Rossa IGT. La Passione. <laughs> Inspired IGT. by the passion of Verona. It's oh. Sartori di Verona is the company. Sartori di Verona. Uh, and it's got a cool little well. knight on a horse in... Old Italy, it's freaking cool. It's old Italy. Oh, this not, is not uh, new Italy. 2015. Ooh. It cost eight bucks. Mind you, it was on sale. So normally 10-ish. Yeah, my other bottle cost 10. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was labeled eight bucks and the other one was labeled 10, but they're the same thing. And I was like, all the other ones here are labeled 10, so I'm going with my win and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> uh, but it's a Rosso. Uh, so it's actually it's Trevenetzi. a it's a Trevenetzi. yeah. Uh, did a little bit of looking up. Rosso is actually kind of more of a branding than a type. So. Oh, okay. Uh, but I noticed that a lot of the bottles of wine that they had there, uh, any of them that were straight from Italy, they all say uh, Indicazione grafa- uh, Geografica Tipica, and I think that's Italian for made over there. Oh. Hey, you're, I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah. Sure. So why uh, not? This one is called uh, La Passione. La Passione Sartori. So there you hey, go. Hey, sound, sounds good to me. La, pias, la, la Passione Sartori. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, it's definitely a very full wine. It's a very full it's wine. Full I body. Think we did the light test, the uh, back of the, the, the phone light test, and it's very full bodied, which I mean, that's a great start for a wine, in my idea. Uh, yeah. My, idea, my taste of wine, anyway. Um, so, bitterness, is that the first one? It's been a little bit since we've done a wine intro. Oh, you mean, you mean you forgot again. I think, I think, I think you're right. It is bitterness, yes. Uh, like, is, like one? Let, yeah, point, I'm point gonna, one? I'm gonna say like, I was actually going to say 1.5, but 1, 1.5, 1. <laughs> Doesn't 1. even. Let's just do an average and call it one. Because it's so low. Let's call it one. The dryness is like not even noticeable. So we'll just call it one. Yeah. Um, sweetness. Sweetness is actually pretty low. Yeah, surprisingly. It, it, surprisingly low, which for me, I like my wine a little sweeter, but I don't like it terribly sweet. Right. I like it closer towards the drier, but I don't like the really dry stuff as much. That being said... This one is closer to really dry. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what we forgot to do? What? What did we forget to do? 
got the printer glasses. Spin the wheel. We forgot to spin the wheel. Oh, well, I haven't, I haven't read the thingy thingy thing yet. That's true. That's so we'll true. That's true. That. So we have a wheel now. It's a wheel wheel. <laughs> it's a, it, it's a digital wheel. Yeah. And so we can, uh, Briggs going to spin it for us and I'll read the, uh, the description of the wine and. I threw, some, uh, I threw some interesting ones out there, so... Um, Sweet. Good luck. So, just... There it is. <laughs> German. German! Oh, man. <laughs> Reading an Italian wine table in German. Now that is contrast. Uh, well, I guess they were both allies during... Uh, I'll take that. Anyway, let's see. Well, hold on, hold on. How, what, what was our sweetness? Oh, um, the sweetness—it's really low. I'd give it like a three or a three-five. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking three is right yeah. there. Which um, is funny for me saying that I like this so much because, like I said, I prefer more of a five or six range sweetness, but this is closer to dry than sweet, and it is so good. Um. It's got a good then you have the sourness, which I'm, I'm, there's not a lot. Yeah, it's not, not like, registering sour like me. really kind of like 0. 0.5. Hold on. Because it's definitely more bitter than sour. Go for it, 0. 0.5. Yeah, that's not very high. Um, altogether, it is wine rating time. Such a good wine. <laughs> Excuse me. So let's see here what we have for uh, the total wine rate, uh, the stew man. Well, I'll be honest, it's not the absolute most best wine that I've ever had in the world, but it is darn good. I'm going to give it a rating of about 7.9. You're not, you're not far off from where I was. I'm glad we're both like close here. You said 7.9, I was 7.5, so. 7.9, 7.5, all together a very good wine. I would give very, this to anybody. It's a good table wine. It's a good gifting wine. It's I a mean, good honestly, gifting wine. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's something that uh, that's just. It's actually, uh, I, I guess, a good way to, to to say that. Not so much like table wine, but it yeah, is. I, would, it, I it, wouldn't call it a table wine. Well, when I think of table wine, I think of something that everyone could enjoy, not something right. with with a genuine acquired taste. So this is right. a wine that I think anyone could easily enjoy yeah. uh, just having dinner with. It would probably go well with, you know, very well with steak, steak and things like that. Yeah. But it's a very gentle, all around, there's very gentle flavors. So it's not something that's really going to appeal outstandingly to someone. And it's got a little bit of tannin. Yeah. And so it's, it's not going to, like, appeal to one person and completely, like, throw someone else off yeah. their rocker. So... Yeah. If somebody if somebody handed me this wine and said, "What do you think about it?" I would probably say that it tastes like. If I was to put a price on it, I'd say it'd be like a maybe a twenty to thirty dollar wine. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know how much it was originally going for. Maybe what twelve, thirteen bucks. Yeah, because even even that ten dollars is probably a little off. I'd say it's probably a fifteen dollar wine. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'll I'll shop around for it and see. Oh, 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 yes. That's such a good sound. Uh, in fact, we can actually, you know, I don't know why I don't think about this. We have access to the World Wide Web. We do. So oh. while you're looking for that, I'm going to read our description. What's the brand real quick? In With a German act. Oh, the brand? Oh, pretty sure it's Di Verona. Spell that. D-I. 
face. V-E-R-O-N-A. I had a little bit of a froggy frog in the back of my throat for a while, which is why I sound a heck of a lot better than I normally do. <laughs> uh, it was it was actually kind of gaspy this morning, but now it's really mellowed out. It always mellows out in the evening, which is interesting. Uh, the other day we were at our, uh, I was at my church. Um, we have a, a, a night of music around Christmas time where it's kind of a talent show, really, where you just get up there and sing some pre-prepared Christmas music or just music in general and everybody claps and cheers. It sounds horrible. Fortunately, it <laughs> sounded pretty good. Um, and I did a couple of pieces. Uh, one with, the, uh, it was kind of the, the men's choir plus pastor's wife, which we asked her to join because we needed some strong melody and she's got a good voice for that. Um, but I, that's when this little frog in the back of my throat first crept in and it worried me until that evening when I realized that my voice had dropped by about four to six whole notes and I could sing four to six notes below my normal register easily and it was clean too and i was like oh my goodness i sound great and i like to sing the bass too and so this just helped me out i was singing amazingly that's not that night way better than i normally do and potentially can do on a normal basis uh there's kind of an abnormality of the weather going on here uh, as far as my my throat goes but uh yeah, so if I sound better today, you know, a little more register in there, it's because there's something in the back of my throat that's not actually normal, and I don't sound as good normally. So anyway, I think it sounds better. I don't know about you. All right, what you got there? Hold on, I need to get that back so I can hear you. Sorry. All right, now. Here you go. Take your time. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Here we go. <laughs> One of the most genuine things a vine can do is express its place more than a combination of local and traditional grape varieties. Le Passione represents the passion, richness, and overall love of the, the life in Verona, perhaps one of Italy's most precious cities. La Pressione Satore di Verona. Uh, a government warning, according to the Surgeon, the surgeon General, Women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of risk of birth defects. Uh, consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car, operate machinery, and because this for uh, that uh, health problems. Yes, yes. Uh, this is a uh, thirteen percent by volume, uh, seven hundred and fifty milliliter. Uh, so there you go. It's a project to be done. Uh, Twelve dollar wine. Twelve dollar wine. Yeah, yeah. How many is that in marks? Or euros? I'm just kidding. I don't really care. <laughs> I need, do I need to grab the whip now? No. Okay. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, there you go. Uh, that's my German. It's probably been better at some point. Yeah, look, I love how you slipped into Italian there for half a second. <laughs> well, I had to. <laughs> I know. That was my German Italian because I had to read La Passione Sartori in Italy, but with a German accent. I know. Like, what I the know. Hell was that? It was like you were slipping in and out. However, I just want to say, you know, aside from like all of that, uh, to my surprise, this is actually a delightful sound. Yeah, it's not bad. It sounds pretty good as far as sounds go. And then you have the. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You need to make that to that sound again when we do that when you clink our glasses in, in our intro. Oh, well, maybe if we're going to. I just want to. 
Give everybody a taste of the madness. Yes, a taste of the madness. Oh, you got it. It's got a. I was holding it too high. We'll perfect it. We'll perfect. We'll get it because it's supposed to sound like. Oh. That. It, it, you have to hold it like a drumstick, and then you know, or you got that like Try gently. It one more time. We got this. that gently. We got this. See. Oh, see now we can we can perfect it. Hey, <laughs> ladies uh, and gentlemen, we'll be right back. We're we're on. Uh, oh, okay. we're, we're talking about uh, the shortest man in the Bible. That's he right. is boom, boom, boom. Bildad the shoe hide, and a short little man was he. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's not. It's not. It's not. Um, uh, uh, shoe shoe dad the bill hide. You know, <laughs> <laughs> man, that guy's got a wallet. <laughs> So anyway, um, so chapter seven, the previous chapter was my suffering is comfortless. And basically he's saying, look, you know, I'm suffering pretty bad here. And my friends aren't helping. So the cool. big bad wolf is after me and no one wants to save me. So anyway, now we're in chapter eight. Bildad the shoe height comes in and he's got some things to say. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we come to you with the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible. New King James Version. I don't know what you're reading today, but... Uh, if it's not the New King James, go find one. No, yes. Um, anyway, so, Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, How long will you speak these things? And the words of your mouth be like a strong wind. Does God subvert judgment? Or does the Almighty pervert justice? If your sins have... Si Wait, did he, just, sons, did he just make a Big Bad Wolf reference? I don't know. Or does the Almighty pervert justice? No, no, no. We're talking about the strong winds. Oh, oh! There you go. The words of your mouth are like a strong wind. Sure. If your sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgressions. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, surely now He would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. For inquire, please, of the former age, and consider the things discovered by the fathers. For we were born yesterday and know nothing, because our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you and utter words from their heart? Here's a question I've got. So, is that where the saying, you weren't born yesterday, comes from? For we were born yesterday and know nothing. You weren't born yesterday, so you do know something. <laughs> I guess I've never thought about that. Okay. I'll, I'll bite. Sure. Anyway. Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water? While it is yet green and not cut down, it withers before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God. And the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. Those uh, whose confidence shall be cut off. And whose trust is a spider's web. He leans on his house, but it does not stand. He holds it fast, but it does not endure. He grows green in the sun, and his branches spread out in the garden. His roots wrap around the rock heap. 
and look for a place of the stones. If he is destroyed from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I have not seen you. Behold, this is the joy of his way, his be God's way. And out of the earth others will grow. Behold, God will not cast away the blameless, nor will he uphold the evildoers. He will not he will yet fill your mouth with laughing and your lips with rejoicing. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked will come to nothing. So he's not saying bad things here. He's basically just saying, Look, dude, you sinned somehow. We know you did. Right. And uh God is not showing favor to you because of that. That's what he is saying. Does, he starts with, does God subvert judgment mm-hmm. or does the Almighty pervert justice? He's saying, is God not a just God? Okay, so if he is a just God, he wouldn't let these things happen to you if you were just too. Right. But because he's letting these things happen to you, then you must not be just. And that is not necessarily true. God does call out, um, you know, woes and, um, you know, uh, punishments upon those who are consistently unjust to him um, and don't follow in his ways. But that doesn't mean that every single time you stub your toe, it's because you sinned previously. Sometimes it's just God strengthening you um, or revealing your sin, you know. If you stub your toe and you start, you know, cussing things out, then it's like, oh, huh. yeah, that's actually my true nature right there. You know, because the measure of a man isn't when things are good. The measure, measure of a man is when things are bad. What does he do when right. things are bad? You know, um, and so you can see here with Job that he's actually a decent man because things are going pretty bad for him and he's doing really well considering. You know, he's still not denying God. He's still praising God's name. You know, he's suffering, and you can tell that. But um, he's not, you know, Job doesn't go out of his way to curse God or, you know, condemn his friends over here. He's just, you know, telling them that they're not being very useful. Thank you very much. Right. And that they're judging him inappropriately because he hasn't done any of these things. And so anyway, um he says, and make your supplication. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you. He's saying, look, if you are a good guy, okay, if you go apologize to God for whatever sin you committed to him, then obviously he would wake up to you and be like, oh, yeah, Job, yeah, I'll help you out there. Sorry, man. Um, and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Uh, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. Which is interesting that he says that because that's literally the way the book of Job goes. His beginning uh, was small in that everything you know, burned, died, dead. Right. Uh, as nothing. As nothing. Whatever poverty. he started with was gone. Yeah. You know. And then he's like sitting there with boils all over him, scraping himself with a posture while he's sitting on the ground like somebody... His friends are good advice, but practically useless here. But what's interesting is in the latter end, he does increase abundantly. No, he does. He does. And and that really goes, um, you know, it's 
it's a, a catch twenty two. So uh, the argument, um, and I've I've seen it made both ways, but it only makes sense one way if that if that uh-huh. actually resonates. But um, you know, when you have something like a tragic situation in the family, it's like, well, why would God? you know, do something like this. And then why would he let this happen? Why would he let this happen? And I've seen it more than once and something happens. Miraculous will shows up and the person who was crying that why would this happen? Gets everything, you know? Um, Yes. That's a bad example for this situation, but it's one of those, it's, it's one of those same situations where it happens not to the extreme that Job had it. obviously, but at the end of the day, um, we have to remember God is sovereign. Uh, he does make the rules. <laughs> and since he does make the rules, you know, he follows them and expects us to follow them. That's that's kind of the, the way I've always looked at it. So when something happens, we have to look at, you know, Romans, you know, for for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, it's all things for good. Uh and though it is, and that goes back to me previously saying, 100% natural to question everything, including God. Hey, why not? That is the most, really the most uh, noted characteristic of every Christian. It's fine. We, we know it's fine that you should question that. In fact, I'd say it's probably on the healthy side. If you don't question it, um, I need to know what you're doing differently. <laughs> Because everyone does. And so with that in in sight, um, you have to look at the fact that if you do question that, then you do have questions unanswered. And where better to dig than the Bible? And Job is a good example for that. Because, you know, if you have questions to, hey, all who love God are called according to his purpose, you know, is that really true? You know, this and that. And I, I know that's a question and it's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, if you do have questions about that, um, looking at Job is actually a good, honest bet because he did love God. He was called according to his purpose. You know, um, in fact, the purpose was, I would arguably say, maybe putting Satan in his place. <laughs> you know, but he was called. He was called by God. Uh, he had a an actual uh, event there, and every everybody around him, th- there's, you know, his three friends are really giving him good advice, bad advice in this situation, but they would be good advice on a regular situation in which maybe somebody did something that was against God. Right. Uh, and then you have the wife that's, you know, ah, just just get rid of it, just, just quit, like just quit. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> It's horrible, but at the end of the day, you know, you hold steady and you just believe that God truly does have your best at heart. And that's not easy. I'm not saying that, like, you can just, like, walk outside and, you know, all of a sudden fairies are walking around you. No. (laughs) No. No, it's not going to be easy. And I don't think it was easy for Job. I really don't. Uh, we, We see roughly, what did I say the other day, 40 years? We have roughly 40 years of him going through the more agony than any modern-day Christian really ever goes through. Um, was it to four, an extent. Was it 40 years or was it four years? I thought it was 40. Hold on. I thought you might have said it was four years. Maybe I did. I mean, it's been... Forty. Is We're going to look. Hold on one second because I did. I, I know exactly where I found that. 
it was 42 months. That's what it was. Ah, so about four years. Yeah, yeah, so about four years. That's, so you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, But still, that right there, that's a long time to suffer through these issues. Yeah, 42 months. Because it was, it was the... Essentially, they they yeah that's that's how they mapped it out. I found it on three different sites, and nobody knows for sure. That's a yeah. that's the best rough guesstimate we have. But still, that's imagine nice imagine going through that for that kind of a timeline. Three and a half years. Yeah, three and a half years, almost four, because forty eight year forty eight months would be uh, four years. So, you know, sometimes the struggles that we go through, you know, um, we we don't see them inside the box. Uh, it's impossible to see them inside the box. You have to kind of be on the outside. And that's where, you know, people can be helpful. (laughs) Obviously, in Job's situation, the people who are outside the box are just like, hey, you did this, you must be wrong, you know. Uh, And, I mean, the stuff that they're saying is really, honestly, wholehearted good information. Uh, It's a very straight-up wisdom that I would say if you were doing something wrong, it would completely draw that out of you uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> but uh in the case that since he's not and for somebody other than job they would probably be right you know right right and and, and what they don't know is that you know i, I kind of call it the starship troopers behind the scenes um you know we we really don't know that spiritual war that's going on between heaven and hell uh just it, it, it's in our favor that we don't know what's going on yeah. Honestly, because God has a he has a war waging with Satan that has been since the garden and before, honestly. And um, these things, I mean, they're evident in things like the book of Daniel, where he comes out and says, hey, the angel comes to him and says, hey, I, I would have gotten to you sooner, but I've been delayed 21 days because I've been really like hard at fighting <laughs> demons. That's that's what he's saying. He say, he calls them the princes of Persia. But, I mean, that's what he's saying. I've, I've been fighting demons to get to you. Trust me, God hadn't forgot about you. That kind of thing. So so we do know there is a war that is is waging. And Job, in this situation, he's just a, a little portion of that war. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, uh, let's see. So, yeah, he actually, um, let's see. What does he say here? He starts talking about Job's kids. Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water while it is yet green and not cut down? It withers, therefore, any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God. And he's so right there. I mean, honestly, that's so right. There's so much wisdom. Without a marsh. You know, it's basically saying, where does papyrus grow? It grows in the marsh. Okay, if you don't have the marsh, you're not going to get the papyrus. Right. It'd be like, you know, bees. Are the bees going to thrive without flowers? No. No, no, you they're know? not. Um, can the reed flourish without water? No. While, while it is yet green, not cut down, so it withers uh, before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God. I love that. That is so beautiful. It is so true. It's, it's very, you know, I mean, honestly, if we weren't... Uh, really prefacing that we were reading through Job. I mean, I... All right, we are back. We are back. So, one really cool thing about Job is that we learn about all the different attributes of God. This is one of the... Possibly the oldest book written. I think, yeah, I think it is. As far as the Bible goes. Uh, definitely the oldest book in the Bible. 
And so you have all of these ancient people talking about the attributes of God. And so Bildad just gave a really good talk about, you know, uh, those who don't follow God and don't do what he says, don't trust him at all, are going to suffer for it. God will punish them. And that is true. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that happens all through the Bible. And look at all the stinking Israelites. Um, every time they start airing and strength from God, eventually God reaches to a point where he's just like, I'm done! You people are stupid! Go do your own thing and I'll come back after you're miserable and defeated by all your enemies and all that jazz and then I'll save you. Because I'm done with you. And, and, so, and I think it's arguably good to point out that actually I can't say that. Because as I was about to say that, I had like massive amounts of questions. But Job is pre-flood, right? I'm not actually sure. I, I just know. I was so confident until I had that like lack of thought where I was like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's not. If you can figure that out, that'd be awesome. Maybe you can Google it or Google it or whatever. Anyway, uh, so. And Job agrees with everything that Bildad says. I shall continue into nine. Job nine. Then Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so. So everything that Bill just Bildad, I said Bill, everything that Bill just said, Job is like, dude, you're right. You're not wrong. I agree with you. But how can a man be righteous before God? If one wishes to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and prospered? That's the answer to that question. Is Nobody. He removes the mountains and they do not know. When he overturns them in his anger, he shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble. He commands the sun and it does not rise. He seals off the stars. He alone spreads out the heavens and treads over the waves of the sea. He made the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades, which is really cool because these are all constellations. So they knew about all the constellations even this far back. Um, but it's really interesting. He says, uh, but he commands the sun and it does not rise. And we actually see that in the Bible, and I forget exactly where, whose battle that was. But God basically is like, hey guys, uh, you've got them running. Um, uh, no, no, no. Who was it where God basically brought the sun back about four hours? Ooh. I forget. Ooh. But there was a big battle going on. And Hold they on. were winning, 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 and it was fantastic. They were beating the Philistines back, I think. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Philistines, but Big, I think, is going to correct me here pretty soon. And they were doing great. But then it started getting dark. And the captain was like, oh, shoot, it's dark. We can't fight in the dark. And so he's goes to God and says... <laughs> I just think it's the first thing that shows up. Oh, is yeah? 
the blue letter Bible. Just oh, yeah. saying in the that was in Google search. I don't know if it's just because I've ahead. done it, it enough. That. Hold on. Continue because I'm still okay. Old. Anyway. But anyway, so he goes to God and is like, Hey God, we got him running, but it's kind of getting dark out, kind of hard to fight in the dark. And God's like, Oh. Okay, I'm gonna do this stuff back for you. I think that's what happened. I could be wrong. As soon as Brig finds that, we'll talk about it because that's a really cool story. And I could have it everything completely messed up, but that's okay. I'm gonna move on here. Uh, but after Brig finds that, we'll come back and talk about that because it's really neat. But I just thought that was interesting because that came to mind. Uh, anyway, uh, he made the bear, uh, Orion, and the Pleiades. And those are each one of those are different constellations. King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. So, right, talk, talk, talk. What do you have? So I, I was. Uh, What's the dates? Give me the skinny. That's that's what I'm I'm looking at right now. It looks like King Hezekiah got ill, and Isaiah had said to him had said he would get better. The king asked for proof. Isaiah said to the to King Hezekiah, do you want the shadow of the sun to go forward 10 steps or back 10 steps? And King Hezekiah replied to the prophet Isaiah for the shadow to go back 10 steps as it had gone down to the stairway of Ahaz. Ahaz? 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 I mean... Ahaz! Um, so apparently that's where it's... Uh, Looks like it's uh, in... Huh. I thought it was a battle. Was there another time? That's that's what I'm wondering, because I'm... Huh. I'm not seeing battle stuff here. Okay, well... Maybe I have everything completely mixed up. Anyway, if you know what the answer is... If you know what I'm thinking of, or if I'm just completely crazy, let us know. Yeah, it looks Facebook. like Isaiah 38.8. I mean, it looks like that's what everything's pulling up Sweet. here. Sweet. Okay, that's great. Then I stand corrected, and that's perfectly fine. So it apparently was kind of a, I guess you could say, like a Gideon thing. Sure. I will sure. show my belief if you do this. And Isaiah was like, because, I mean, Isaiah had kind of the same, you know, uh, Elijah type of way of doing things. Like, uh, yeah. Do you need me to prove it to you? <laughs> right. Uh, and so it looks like that was the same situation. Uh -huh. It was like, uh, wh what do you want God to do? Move it forward or backward? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's really cool. So let's see. On the Chambers of the South, he does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without number. If he goes by me, I do not see him. If he moves past, I do not perceive him. If he takes away, who can hinder him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God will not withdraw his anger. The allies of the proud lie prostrate beneath him. How okay, okay, okay. Oh, 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 Especially so I think it's during the same time from what I'm looking at. Okay. But in Joshua, it looks like Joshua. 10. The Bible tells the story of the day when the sun and the time stopped. The Israelites were fighting the Amorites in Canaan. During the, the battle, Joshua yeah. prayed the sun and moon to stop. And so he would have an extra daylight to finish the task. Hey. Scripture records that the prayer was answered and the sun delayed going back about a full day. In verse 13... The very objects in which the sky and the Amorites worshipped. Huh. Interesting. Oh, That's wow. a slap. 
Dang. Fought the against way, I them. Love the way God works. I know, I, I so know. Did. That and it goes back to what I was just saying about Elijah. That's exactly the same as the uh, the Egyptians, you know, all the different stupid gods they worship. God met them. He's like, oh, oh he met okay. them on their own field. Okay, so you're the god of this. All right. Well, then I'm gonna send. Oh, you're it gonna, goes back to like frogs. I'll send frogs then to go yeah. torment. An, anybody who watches football, no oh, one likes you're to the be god beat. Of flies. I'm gonna send flies <laughs> to go torture you. Oh, you got. You're the god of. You're the god of blood. All right. I'll send. I'll, yeah. I'll no one likes losing blood. on their home field. You know. And then it's the same deal with. Uh, Oh, it was with Elijah. Oh, uh, yeah, with Elijah. You know, but Baal, the god of fire. God's like, fire. (laughs) I can do that in my sleep. How much fire do you want? (laughs) You know, they're gods. It's like Baal, zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Baal, zero. God, one. KO, you win. Hold on. KO, you win. You got to do the, you got to do the. Kaboom. Yeah. Kaboom. So anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, you were definitely right. It was during a battle. There you so go. apparently so what's, what, what's interesting, yeah, more than once, apparently a proof to a dying king who needed belief in God yeah. and one when someone who knew and believed in God said, my God can do this. Yeah. Give me just this time to win this war. That's just like, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. It's like, wow, that is an amazing act of God. And it is. But he didn't do it only once. He actually did it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Because we saw that just before um, Elijah dies. And, Eli- well, Elijah gets brought up in whirlwind. And Elisha comes onto the scene. God spreads the waters again and elijah walks over the dry land it's very interesting anyway ah uh, let's see god will not withdraw his anger the allies of the proud lie prostrate beneath him how then can i answer him and choose my words to reason with him for though i were righteous i could not answer him i would beg mercy of a judge if i called and he answered me i would believe that he was listening to my voice for he crushes me with the tempest and multitudes my wounds without cause. He will not allow me to catch my breath, but he fills me with bitterness. If it is a matter of strength, indeed he is strong. And if of justice, who will appoint my day in court? Though I were righteous, my own mouth would condemn me. Though I were blameless, it would prove me perverse. I am blameless, yet I do not know myself. I despise my life. It is all one thing. Therefore I say, he destroys the blameless and the wicked, but the scourge slays suddenly. He laughs at the plight of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the faces of its judges. If it is not he, who else could it be? Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They pass by like swift ships, like an eagle swooping on its prey. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will put off my sad face and wear a smile. I am afraid of all my sufferings. I know that you will not hold me innocent. If I am condemned, then why do I labor in vain? 
If I wash myself with snow water and cleanse my hands with soap, yet you will plunge me into the pit, and my own clothes will abhor me. For he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, and that we should go to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hands on us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and do not let dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. So, wow. Uh, basically, what Job is saying is like, okay, so if God is doing all these things to me, you know, if I am to blame, if I did do something wrong, then... You know, it's not like I can just go into court with God tomorrow and figure all this out, you know, with the mediator, because God is the mediator. So if he's doing it, then he's the one in charge. So and it goes back to the sovereignty of God. Right. Exactly. It's like this isn't like I can't just go, you know, give him something and then he gives me something or work it out, you know, or whatever. Uh, he's the judge, too. So, uh, anyway, I can't say that I understand this chapter absolutely wholly. Uh, there's a lot of things more that we could probably draw from this. But um, it's interesting here. He says, uh, for he is not a man as I am that I may answer him, that we should go to court together. And... Job is in the same situation that Greg, you or I, or anybody listening would be in. God doesn't come to us and, you know, speak openly. He, he works through our lives, our friends, our, our ways, our thoughts, and stuff like that. That's just the way that he's chosen to work with us now. I think some people, honestly, he does actually talk to, uh, but we you know, we can't prove that one way or the other. We just have to take somebody's word for it. I do know some people that are literally Christians right now just because they had an experience with Jesus. Um, and they, they're like, God told me this. I heard him say it. Um, and there's nothing that we can do to deny that. Yeah, because, I mean. You know, God does work that way even in the Old Testament. New he Testament does. Too, I so. think for me, I always, I'm always a skeptic. Uh, sadly, um, and I think it's because I know, and obviously these Christians that we're speaking of, like Stuart said, we can, we can only take their word. Um, and that's, that's good as gold if we know these people, you know, but, uh, I also know that Satan works that way too. Yeah. And so I always have to be. It's important to remember that anytime you hear something from God. Anytime you quote unquote hear something from God, does it again, line up with God's attributes? Does right. it line up with oh, who God thank is? You. Thank you. That right there. Because that means the world or not. Yeah. Um, because I know, you know, firsthand, um, Satan has an end in this. Oh, yeah. He knows. And, and I heard this years ago. I don't remember from who, but um, the way. Trying to think exactly how it was put. Uh, it was put to me that the closer we are to the end of days, the harder Satan will fight. Yeah. 
Um, because here's the thing. He knows the end. He knows uh, the end. And let's, let's take a moment because I think this is, and I know we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but it's, it's important to note that who is Satan? He's an angel. It was an angel. He was. Um, it's funny. I made I made He's this been removed from the top of the Christmas. So tree. it's it's really funny that you said that because I wasn't gonna go there and then I said that. <laughs> you said that. And I had a youth minister um back when I was um I was le- let's just say there was a time where I was really really going toward the faith. I thought I was gonna do something with my life. It was amazing. Uh, somewhere along the line, I did lose that, uh, stepped away and kind of came back now. And I, I'm, I am who I am today, but I remember I was walking in, we had gone through a youth minister who I really appreciated and loved him dearly. And we were replaced by another guy who I also liked. He was part of the group. So it wasn't, it wasn't so invasive as, Oh, somebody new is coming in. But, uh, I made the comments in my ignorance and saying, oh, well, it's Lucifer doing it. And I'm t- I did not get the word Lucifer out. Soon as he got out of his chair, shut the door and told me to sit down. I was like, oh. And he said, I want you to know something. He doesn't deserve that name anymore. Because that name was given to him by God. Because he was one of the highest angels ever to be appointed and then directly acted a war against God. He doesn't deserve this title. He is Satan. And that is because he broke, he broke that with God and said, I want to be God and there can only be one. So I look at that a little bit differently. We have to look at Satan as not so much a fallen angel, but a, a deceived angel. Yeah. He deceived himself. And that goes back to, you know, the father of all lies. You know, yeah, like I said, the one that you, you can lie to anybody. That's a bad thing. But the worst person in the world to lie to is yourself. Right. And that, and that's where I was actually, that's where I was going with that is, you know, the father of all lies convinced himself that he could be God. And so for the rest of eternity until his last moment, He's going to try to be God. And so um, I always caution people uh, whenever they say, you know, well, I heard this directly from God. I said, okay, does it have the attributes of God? Is God, is God speaking? Does it match God's metrics? Right. Because if it doesn't, if you question it, even, even the slightest, back away. Back because away. if it does not match what God has said, it's probably not God. And I hate to say that because obviously we know the last people that we know uh, spoke to God in that way directly according to the Bible is the apostles. Now, am I saying that no one has ever spoken to God? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we have to be very careful when we discern, are we speaking to God with, does it follow the attributes does it seem to be a sovereign request? And and I say this, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go far out here, but and like I said, I'm going far out, but I need this to be covered 
in the way that it makes sense because there are many serial killers who have gone out on a limb and said, God told me to do it. And if you just take these people's word that, oh, God told him to kill 10 people. And so go walk, for it. Yeah, that's, that's no. that doesn't no. match the attributes of God, you know, and I and and I'm not making light of it. I, I this this needs to be brought up because it is something that happens. The, the word of God is perverted. And when it is perverted in those moments, the people who are perverting it, you know, when, when these people get on the stand in front of a judge and say, well, God told me to do it. <sighs> Was it God? I don't. I don't see that. That doesn't follow the attributes of God. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't. You know, even even in the days of of David, you know, when Saul was actively trying to kill him, never once did God say, "Yep, just kill Saul. He's good." You know, I no more use for that man. That didn't happen. Yeah. These aren't attributes of God. So I'm just saying, be careful when you follow down that line of thought. And I'm like I said, I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to people because I think He does, and uh, we just need to be careful of what we're actually listening to. Yeah. We're gonna take a, an obscene prophet break right here, and we'll be right back. Oh, we're ready. We're we're on. Uh, oh, okay. we're, we're talking about uh, the shortest man in the Bible. That's he right. is boom, boom, boom. Bill Dad, the shoe hide. And a short little man was he. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, uh, uh, shoe, shoe Dad, the Bill Hyde, you know. <laughs> <laughs> man, that guy's got a wallet. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, so chapter seven, the previous chapter was My Suffering is Comfortless. And basically, he's saying, I'm suffering pretty bad here. And my friends aren't helping. So the cool. big bad wolf is after me and no one wants to save me. So anyway, now we're in chapter eight. Bildad the Shuhite comes in and he's got some things to say. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we come to you with the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible. New King James Version. I don't know what you're reading today, but... Um, if it's not the New King James, go find one. No, yes. Um, anyway, so Bildad the Shuhite answered and said... How long will you speak these things? And the words of your mouth be like a strong wind. Does God subvert judgment? Or does the Almighty pervert justice? If your sins have sinned... Wait, did he, sons, just, did he just make a Big Bad Wolf reference? I don't know. Or does the Almighty pervert justice? No, no, no. We're talking about the strong winds. Oh. Oh, there you go. The words of your mouth be like a strong wind. Sure. <laughs> if your sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgressions. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. For inquire, please, of the former age, and consider the things discovered by the fathers. For we were born yesterday and know nothing, because our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you and utter words from their heart? Here's a question I've got. So, is that where the saying, you weren't born yesterday, comes from? For we were born yesterday and know nothing. You weren't born yesterday, so you do know something. <laughs> I guess I've never thought about that. Okay. I'll, I'll bite. Sure. Anyway, 
Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water? While it is yet green and not cut down, it withers before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God. And the hope of the hypocrite shall perish, those uh, whose confidence shall be cut off, and whose trust is a spider's web. He leans on his house, but it does not stand. He holds it fast, but it does not endure. He grows green in the sun, and his branches spread out in the garden. His roots wrap around the rock heap, and look for a place of the stones. If he is destroyed from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I have not seen you. Behold, this is the joy of his way. His be God's way. And out of the earth others will grow. Behold, God will not cast away the blameless, nor will he uphold the evildoers. He will not he will yet fill your mouth with laughing and your lips with rejoicing. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked will come to nothing. So he's not saying bad things here. He's basically just saying, Look, dude, you sinned somehow. We know you did. Right. And uh God is not showing favor to you because of that. That's what he is saying. Does He starts with, does God subvert judgment mm-hmm. or does the Almighty pervert justice? He's saying, is God not a just God? Okay, so if he is a just God, he wouldn't let these things happen to you if you were just too. Right. But because he's letting these things happen to you, then you must not be just. And that is not necessarily true. God does call out, um, you know, woes and, um, you know, uh, punishments upon those who are consistently unjust to him um, and don't follow in his ways. But that doesn't mean that every single time you stub your toe, it's because you sinned previously. Sometimes it's just God strengthening you um, or revealing your sin, you know. If you stub your toe and you start, you know, cussing things out, then it's like, oh, huh. yeah, that's actually much your nature right there. You know, because the measure of a man isn't when things are good. The measure of a man is when things are bad. What does he do when right. things are bad? You know, um, and so you can see here with Job that he's actually a decent man because things are going pretty bad for him and he's doing really well considering. You know, he's still not denying God. He's still praising God's name. You know, he's suffering, and you can tell that. But um, he's not, you know, Job doesn't go out of his way to curse God or, you know, condemn his friends over here. He's just, you know, telling them that they're not being very useful. Thank you very much. Right. And that they're judging him inappropriately because he hasn't done any of these things. And so anyway, um he says, and make your supplication. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now He would awake for you. He's saying, look, if you are a good guy, okay, if you go apologize to God for whatever sin you committed to Him, then obviously He would wake up to you and be like, oh yeah, Job, yeah, I'll help you out there. Sorry, man. Um, and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Uh, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. Which is interesting that he says that because that's literally the way the book of Job goes. He's beginning, 
was small in that everything you know, burned, died, dead. Right. Uh, has nothing. Has nothing. Whatever poverty. he started with was gone. Yeah. You know. And then he's like sitting there with boils all over him, scraping himself with a posture while he's sitting on the ground like somebody. You know, just, His friends are just good advice, but practically useless here. You know. But what's interesting is in the latter end, he does increase abundantly. No, he does. He does. And, and that really goes, um, you know, it's. It's a, a catch twenty two. So uh, the argument, um, and I've I've seen it made both ways, but it only makes sense one way if that if that uh-huh. actually resonates. But um, you know, when you have something like a tragic situation in the family, it's like, well, why would God, you know, do something like this? And then why would He let this happen? Why would he let this happen? And I've seen it more than once. And something happens, miraculous will shows up, and the person who was crying that why would this happen gets everything. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, yes, that's a bad example for this situation, but it's one of those it's it's one of those same situations where it happens. Not to the extreme that Job had it, obviously, but at the end of the day. Um, we have to remember God is sovereign. Uh, he does make the rules. <laughs> and since he does make the rules, you know, he follows them and expects us to follow them. That's that's kind of the, the way I've always looked at it. So when something happens, we have to look at, you know, Romans, you know, for for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, it's all things for good. Uh, and though it is, and that goes back to me previously saying, hundred percent natural to question everything, including God. Hey, why not? That is the most, really the most uh, noted characteristic of every Christian. It's fine. We, we know it's fine that you should question that. In fact, I'd say it's probably on the healthy side. If you don't question it, um, I need to know what you're doing differently (laughs) (laughs) because everyone does. And so with that in, in sight, um, you have to look at, the fact that if you do question that, then you do have questions unanswered, and where better to dig than the Bible? Right, right. And Job is a good example for that because you know if you have questions to, hey, all who love God are calling to are called according to His purpose. You know, is that really true? You know, this and that. And I, I know that's a question, and it's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, if you do have questions about that. Um, Looking at Job is actually a good, honest bet because he did love God. He was called according to his purpose. You know, um, in fact, the purpose was, I would arguably say, maybe putting Satan in his place. <laughs> you know, but he was called. He was called by God. Um, he had a an actual uh, event there, and every everybody around him. Th- there's. You know, his three friends are really giving him good advice, bad advice in this situation, but they would be good advice on a regular situation in which maybe somebody did something that was against God. Right. Uh, and then you have the wife that's, you know, ah, just just get rid of it. Just quit. Just quit. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's horrible. But at the end of the day, you know, you hold steady and you just believe that God truly does have your best at heart. And that's not easy. I'm not saying that like you can just like walk outside and you know all of a sudden fairies are walking around you. No, 
no, no, it's not going to be easy. And I don't think it was easy for Joe. I really don't. Uh, we, we see roughly, what did I say the other day? 40 years. We have roughly 40 years of him going through the more agony than any modern day Christian really ever goes through. Um, was it to four, an extent. Was it 40 years or was it four years? I thought it was 40. Hold on. You might have said it was four years. Maybe I did. I mean, it's been. Forty. We're gonna look. Hold on one second, because I did. I, I know exactly where I found that. It was forty-two months. That's what it was. Ah, so about four years. Yeah, yeah. So about four years. That's so you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but still, that right there, that's a long time to suffer through these issues. Yeah, forty-two months, because it was it was the. Essentially, they they yeah that's that's how they mapped it out. I found it on three different sites, and nobody knows for sure. That's a that's the best rough guesstimate we have. But still, imagine imagine going through that for that kind of a timeline. Yeah, three and a half years, almost four, because forty eight year forty eight months would be uh, four years. So, you know, sometimes the struggles that we go through, you know, um, we we don't see them inside the box. Uh, it's impossible to see them inside the box. You have yeah. to kind of be on the outside. And that's where, you know, people can be helpful. <laughs> Obviously, in Job's situation, the people who are outside the box are just like, hey, you did this. You must be wrong, you know. Uh, and, I mean, the stuff that they're saying is really, all, honestly, wholehearted good information. Yeah, most of it, uh, it's a very straight-up um, wisdom that I would say if you were doing something wrong, it would completely draw that out of you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but uh in the case that since he's not and for somebody other than job they would probably be right you know right right and and, and what they don't know is that you know i, I kind of call it the starship troopers behind the scenes um you know we we really don't know that spiritual war that's going on between heaven and hell uh just it, it, it's in our favor that we don't know what's going on yeah. Honestly, because God has a he has a war waging with Satan that has been since the garden and before, honestly. And um, these things, I mean, they're evident in things like the book of Daniel, where he comes out and says, hey, the angel comes to him and says, hey, I, I would have gotten to you sooner, but I've been delayed 21 days because I've been really like hard at fighting <laughs> demons. That's that's what he's saying. He say, he calls them the princes of Persia. But, I mean, that's what he's saying. I've, I've been fighting demons to get to you. Trust me, God hadn't forgot about you. That kind of thing. So so we do know there is a war that is is waging. And Job, in this situation, he's just a, a little portion of that war. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, he actually, um, let's see. What does he say here? He starts talking about Job's kids. Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water while it is yet green and not cut down? It withers, therefore, any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God. And he's so right there. I mean, honestly, that's so right. There's so much wisdom. Without a marsh. You know, it's basically saying, where does papyrus grow? It grows in the marsh. Okay, if you don't have the marsh, you're not going to get the papyrus. Right. It'd be like, you know, bees. Are the bees going to thrive without flowers? No. No, no, you they're know? not. Um, can the reed flourish without water? No. While, while it is yet green, not cut down, so it withers uh, before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God. 
I love that. That is so beautiful. It's so true. It's it's very, you know, I mean, honestly, if we weren't uh, really prefacing that we were reading through Job, I mean, I 